on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, May 2nd. LA Galaxy one nothing losers in Salt Lake over the weekend. We're going to talk about that game. We're not going to talk about the first half, though, because everybody was asleep during that half, including the LA Galaxy. We'll talk about their bus showing up late. That's fun. Uh, and then sort of everything that happened and fell in place there. Uh, the shouts for Dayan Jovalich continued to get louder. I'm pretty sure I said that last Monday. They got louder. The guy scored a goal that didn't count, and they got louder, mostly because the LA Galaxy have had trouble creating any sort of offense. We're going to tell you why they've been having some so much problems creating that offense, and we're sort of getting you ready in a very roundabout way towards the Austin game coming up this weekend. And a uh, little newsflash, supposed to be at 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Austin on Saturday. That game kicks off at about 6.30-ish, 6.30-ish uh, on, the, uh, on Austin time. So that's going to be a little warm. To help us get through all this lovely show, he was covering the Dodgers this weekend, which he doesn't get to do a lot of. In fact, it's probably been a really long time since he covered the Dodgers. It's the LA Times soccer reporter, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, bud? Yeah, it was five years, and I, you know what? The game has changed. It really has. Like, <laughs> uh, it, I, the combination of the game has changed, and, and you know, I've been doing soccer nonstop for five years, and I'm just sitting there at the Dodger game, like in the third inning, like, come on, let's go, throw the ball, let's move it along a little bit. Holy cow! <laughs> we we got to be out of here. Soccer- where's that clock going? Counting back, you know, where's that clock counting at, at ninety uh, at ninety minutes? Right? You need. We need to move. Let's, let's throw it. Throw it in. You know, corner kick, whatever. It was. Uh, it, it was painful. And um, you know, you, you cover soccer, and it's a hundred, an hour and fifty, hour and fifty five minutes every time. Um, baseball goes on forever. I used to love that part of it, but not not anymore. It's just. It's dreadful. Oh, yeah. It's 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 like I I've told the story. I grew up playing baseball. Baseball was my my primary uh, sport. Whenever I was growing up, I played soccer um, as sort of my secondary sport and was was okay at both of them. But was a better baseball player. I can't. My mom has season tickets to the Angels, and I get invited all the time. And I'm always like, mm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't really have four hours of my four and a half hours of my time to waste. Says the guy who shows up two hours before two and a half hours before yeah. kickoff for the galaxy and stays about two hours after kickoff. But I don't have four and a half hours to, to well, waste. Well, see, I, I do that, too. I show up two hours for a galaxy game and I leave two hours afterward. And the game is two hours and half hour of media stuff. So but with baseball, you show up three. And a, if you're a reporter, you show up three and a half hours before the game because the clubhouse is open. You write your story after the game. It's a nine, it's 10 or 11 hour day. And then you add in the commute, it's 13 hours easy. Oh, no, thank you. 
That is too much. See, even even whenever you throw in the, our reporter dues, duties, it's too much, Kevin. So uh, that's it. At least um, maybe even though watching the Dodgers, what I think that was a loss that you got to lose. It Dodgers was, but did. I did get to see Clayton Kershaw um, set the strikeout record. So, so you uh, got, not all the strikeouts, just the last one. Well, well, the fortunate thing for you, and I know you've uh, you've seen the highlights and and done all your research on the game, but the fortunate thing for you was you got to miss hopefully most of that first half of the uh, of the game, and and maybe even the second half wasn't really overly no. that exciting either. I saw part of it and I heard a lot of it driving to the game, but you know, the late bus, I think when they got off the bus, they forgot to bring the offense with them. It was like back in one of the overhead lit compartments. They just left it there. I think they left it at the hotel beforehand. No, it was uh, interesting. Obviously LA galaxy lose one, nothing to real salt Lake, a 49th minute goal um, from Marcelo Silva. It was a set piece goal. So seven goals conceded by the LA galaxy, Kevin, uh, six of those have come off set pieces again. Uh, this is we'll talk about why that was, but really uh, a Jonathan well, well, Bond that, mistake. In, in yeah, this particular it, case. it was it was I thought Jonathan Bond deserved a better fate. I mean, he did make a mistake on that one. But right before that play, he made a great save um, again. But but, you know, we're, I know we're going to talk about my good buddy, Dayan uh, Jovalich, who I am going to continue to, to politic for. He mm. needs to get on the field. He, did, he played. Um, what more do you want? Well, he need Yeah. And he scored a goal, too. Uh, exactly. But he needs to start. He needs to start. We'll talk about that in a minute. But. You know, it's a lot of pressure on Jonathan Bond. He's played really well this year. He's got four clean sheets, which matches his total from all of last year. But when you're going into a game basically saying, look, the only chance we have of getting a point even is if you, you know, have a clean sheet because we ain't going to score. That's a lot of pressure to put on a guy. He makes one mistake and his teammates can't bail him out. Yeah, but the, I mean, in in games that we've seen so far, the LA Galaxy have been able to make up for any mistakes that he has. I mean, the Galaxy have been winning games. Please, let's not. This is their second loss this year. Second loss. That's it. All right. Nine games. They've lost two games. All right. Now, I'm not saying they're playing well right now because they're not. Um, and I think we can pinpoint that. At least I can pinpoint that on at least one player of why they're not playing very well right now or why they're not scoring goals right now. Um, so you can look at that. But at the same time, the Galaxy really have done a great job in supporting Jonathan Bond so far. He faced four shots in this game, Kevin. Four shots. That's it. Remember, you even brought it up. This was your argument last week, which was, you know, he was last year. He was facing like 12 and 15 shots and he faced four shots this time. And one of those shots was absolutely great. Um, he made a great save on the other ones were easy for him, really, um, outside of the goal that was scored. Well, and there was one that he, at near the end of the first half that he tipped over the bar. That yeah. was a pretty good save, too. I mean, he played fine outside of the big mistake he had on the set piece. It was a corner kick. He came out the Galaxy per Greg Vanny play a combination of between man and zone. Um, so there's a combo in there. Some guys are marking man to man. Some guys are playing zone. OK, and so it looked like what happened was that Silva came in that second half and and listen the first half was abysmal okay there was not a lot of anything happening for either team um rsl wasn't low blocking it they weren't yet they'd certainly started switch really switched to a low block in the second half but in that first half they were still looking for places to exploit the la galaxy so they were getting forward they were trying to attack they were trying to find spaces and i think they had a lot of luck with it because the la galaxy could not pass could not keep possession greg vanny talked about it after the game and said we gave the ball away needlessly so many times um and that's, listen, there's a whole bunch of factors that come into RSL anytime you play there, but you know what they are, right? The altitude is going to get you. Uh, the field is hard. It's kind of like playing on turf, but they have grass on it. That's basically, it bounces real hard. It's bouncy. If you watch any of the passes, the ball bounces. It's a place the Galaxy, Kevin, never, ever look comfortable. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a time under Bruce Arena. I, I'm trying to remember the last time I thought the Galaxy looked really you know, comfortable. And this pops in my head. There was a time under Bruce Arena where... 
it was like a midweek game and he rotated everybody. All right. And so it was all like the young kids out there playing. And I think the galaxy went on to beat RSL like three to one or three to nothing. And it was like, they just ran right over them. And everybody's like, what is this? The starters aren't even out there. And the young kids are out there playing, you know, balls to the wall and they're scoring. And that's the, I feel like that's the last time I really felt like the galaxy were ever comfortable in, in Salt Lake. Well, but let's talk there. Yes. You're right about Jonathan Bond. I, 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 you know, I, I just think they're relying on him a lot. And yes, he didn't have a lot of work in this game, but I mean, offensively, they scored one goal in three games. Chicharito hadn't scored since the very early in the game against LAFC. And that to me is the problem. And it came to me when I was listening to uh, some of the postgame comments after LAFC's game and Ryan Hollingshead talked about, look, the, the secret with LAFC, and we're not going to talk a lot about LAFC, but his point relates to the Galaxy. He said the secret with LAFC is they have so many weapons. You know, Carlos Vela scored one goal since the first game, and yet that team is 7-1-1. One, and one. Hollingshead said that no, they can't mark us. If they mark Vela, then Rodriguez scores. If they mark Arango, then Vela and Rodriguez score. The Galaxy don't have that. The Galaxy have Chicharito. Chicharito has five, five of their ten goals. Only four other players have scored a goal, and then there was the own goal. Chicharito has um, I said 14 shots on target. Nobody else on the team has more than five. Nobody else is going to score for the Galaxy. I mean, if you're an opponent and you look at the Galaxy and the way they play, you're going to take 10 guys and Mark Chicharito and say, hey, Grant Sear, good luck. Take a shot. Nobody shoots. Nobody scores. Nobody converts. That's why I think you got a guy like, like Jovalich who does convert, who is a finisher, who does score, who is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and I know the argument is he doesn't play well with Chicharito or they're redundant I, or whatever. I don't, so, so I disagree with that now, right? Certainly seeing what they've been playing over the last couple of days where we've seen them in combination, I think Greg has, has done a good job of separating them from each other, right? You see that they're but, not but covering the same the space. Yes. Right. That's been the argument all along. And I just don't think it holds water. And even if it did, desperate times call for desperate It's measures. not desperate though. Where are you? Where is one desperate? One goal in three games? Yes, one but goal? Where, three games? Yeah, and and w- of which they lost one game. This is this is the whole thing. What when did the Galaxy's offense stop 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 getting goals? After the LAFC game, they had two in the first half. They haven't scored. Uh, they they have multiple goals three times in nine games. More than one goal in a thirty-year right. game. So you're right. not going to win a whole lot of soccer matches right. that way. Right, but everybody knew that Chicharito was the main scoring threat through those first however many games that was up until. But the he's LAFC. he's going to be more effective if he doesn't have ten guys. Ag- agreed, agreed. But he scored five goals in the first couple of games. So again, everybody knows he's the primary goal scorer. Well, so I would argue that yes, they did score. He does. He mm-hmm. did score five goals. And if you remember, they scored three goal, uh, two goals in that loss at Seattle. That was the third mm-hmm. game. Then they scored three goals in the fifth game, mm-hmm. and in the sixth game they scored two goals. So the majority of their goals were in the first six games. Right. My argument to that would be, I think other teams looked around and said, "Hey, what about Grand Sierra? What about um, what about Costa? Maybe right. we mm-hmm. should sort of." Mm-hmm. Pay attention to those guys a little bit. Now both those guys are proven they're not going to score. And what what's going on with Raheem Edwards? I think that's another guy that opponents have said this is the guy that's going to bring the ball up, right? And then he's going to pass Ed- to the guy who's going to score. Let's take both of them out of the game. Edward- and the Edwards had, had no response. Edwards had one of his worst games against RSL of of all of the time. So you can sort of say, okay, I understand how that was. Listen, nobody on the Galaxy played well. You can't point no, to somebody I, I, who I'm did. I'm not dumping. I, I don't. I'm not dumping on Edwards. No, I understand. He's had a great season. You, you're, I just think you're that you're forgetting. You're forget- the Galaxy offense is too predictable. You're you're forgetting the biggest part of all of this of when the creativity stopped and when it stopped. When when Vasquez, when the, Victor Vasquez, Victor Vasquez, and Vasquez hasn't been playing and he hasn't been available. Now there is something to be said about how old is Vasquez now? Thirty four? Is he thirty four? Thirty five? He's right in that uh, range. I'll have to look it up. The, up the chat room. Ninety something. The 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 ch- the the chat room will will talk to us and and tell us. But yeah, he is he's getting up there in age, right? 
it, it, it says a lot that you're basing, you know, most of your creativity on Victor Vasquez, because here's the problem. Victor Vasquez is the only creator the LA Galaxy have currently that has been done it with any sort of consistency for the time he's been with the LA Galaxy. Douglas Costa coming in was supposed to be some of that guy. He's not there yet, or he's never going to get there. Don't know yet. Uh, Cabral, not a creator, has never been a creator, but you're expected that the creator is supposed to find him and then he's supposed to dish and, and get assists and stuff like that. And he's not doing that. So that's not happening. Um, you know, F. Ryan Alvarez, everybody, we talk about F. Ryan Alvarez every year, like this is going to be the year he breaks out and true to form F. Ryan Alvarez do, does the thing that he always does, which is create a godlike goal. Everybody loses their mind and says, this is the year it's finally happening. Look at all the things that he's doing well. And you saw what happened in the RSL game whenever he's trusted with one creating or two finishing, um, in any sort of, you know, reasonable certainty, um, because there are two players that had really good chances in this game that blew it. And Efrain Alvarez is number one on that list of being able to create chances and score. The Galaxy had, uh, let's go ahead and uh, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to go to. Not the touches chart. Um, I want to get to the expected goals chart. You see Efrain Alvarez has the highest of 0.31. I think that that's probably over two chances because he had the the best chance of the game whenever he got played in on the right-hand Chicharito's side. Not even on, Chicharito's not even on that list. He's not even that. on that list, right, because nobody's... Well, because crazy. opponents are taking him out of the game. That's Be, my argument. Yeah, I, I know. It's just, it's flawed in the fact that whenever Victor Vasquez is in there, it doesn't seem to be a problem. But whenever he's not in there, then it is a problem. That's, that's, that's my whole case is that that uh, that Chicharito can certainly get open and Chicharito can certainly score goals. And listen, everybody, leave leave, leave that up there. They're so interesting. Eric Zavaleta was more dangerous than Chicharito. Correct. Yeah. You have to have a chance in order to be on the expected goals list, right? Julian Araujo gets on there. I mean, 0.04 Zavaleta had a header uh, in the, in the center of the box that sort of got him. And if he would have put it on a frame, it would have been a, a better chance on that, obviously. Uh, but look at this. Grand Sir comes in um, and he's a sub in this game, right? He comes in and he has 0.19 expected goals. So he had more of an impact. And listen, the second half subs, this was all about the second half. 100% about the second half. Greg Vanny went in here and made three substitutions after RSL had scored, right? RSL scored in the 49th in the 61st. Greg comes in here and he switches everything up. He moves. He gets Sasha Kleshin in with Eric Zavaleta coming out, right? This means formation change, by the way, whenever you start seeing some of these things. Grant Sear comes in for Cabral. <coughs> Cabral was anonymous, uh, much like Douglas Costa was anonymous. And then Douglas Costa comes out as well. You have two DPs that are coming out in the 61st minute. That's a problem, but we've been talking about that problem for a little while. Um, you have Grant Sear and you get Jovalich in. Vanny switches up the formation. What does he go to? He goes to a 4-4-2 in that second half, right? And what happens? All of a sudden, the chances start coming. Why will you have more offensive players? And he also wasn't worried about RSL having any sort of possession and trying to sort of test the middle of the field or or into the back, right? Because you lose a midfielder whenever you put Jovalich up and you know that you're not going to be playing defense as much. Jovalich, by the way, the team leader in chances. Uh, <coughs> he comes on in the 61st minute uh, and he gets chances created, Kevin, three. Three chances and he, created. And he did put the ball in the back of the net. Didn't count. Absolutely. Did. And it was a great finish, too. It was exactly what you want. Um, and so you have that. Look, chances created. Edwards. Chances created. Zavaleta. Delgado. Cabral. I mean, there's there's nobody there. I mean, one chance here, one chance there. And, you know, one of those guys is is certainly a, a sub on that. So you look at shots on target. Grand Sear had two in his substitute appearance. You know, you had Alvarez, who had one, and you had Costa, who had one. There are their four shots on goal. Um, Alvarez, if he has a right foot, buries a shot rather easily in the second half. Um, but instead he took an extra touch. It is criminal what Alvarez has been trying to do inside the box whenever he gets deep in, which is always get on his left foot, always trying to score with his left foot, always trying to do something with it. 
Um, doesn't have a right foot. He doesn't have, it, and and so that's why that he's always going left. But it's it's at this skill level where he's at. That's a right footed shot that goes in the goal. It's not hard. He was open. Well, it, it's again the predictableness. If you're a defender, you just forget about that he even has a right foot. You just follow the, that left foot the whole time because he's not going to shoot with the right one. Yeah, I I agree. It's you just shade him to the left. You're like, which way is he's going to go left? And listen, he can spin out and he can do stuff where he creates space for himself at the top of the box and he can curl left footed shots and bread and butter. But Alvarez also has a horrible aim. It's like he's always trying to put every shot into this upper 90. Um, And so I, I don't like it. This the idea here is that Vanny did two things in the second half that generated offense, right? He went to a 442, which is why he brought Jovulich in, which is why Cabral comes out, right? Which helped but it didn't get him to actually getting the ball in the back of the net. He eventually went to a 3-5-2 where he put Edwards and Araujo up and he brought in uh, Nick DePew so they would have three center backs on the back line um, and then they push forward even more and that's eventually what got it open. What they're doing there is brute force. It's not really so much chance creation as it is we're going to flood the box with as many people as we can so that way we overload this low block stuff. It's what they did against Nashville in the 4-4-2. It's what they do against RSL in the second half with the 4-4-2 and then the 3-5-2. Right? Okay, so so if it works so great mm-hmm. in, in the last 30 minutes mm-hmm. why not start the game that way you know the answer to that don't make me say it just go you know the answer just tell everybody that you're smart <laughs> enough i don't want to constantly sit here and be like kevin because of defense because greg vanny wants to play defense because those two formations of the 4-4-2 give up something on defense you're taking at least one player sometimes two players out of a defensive mindset whenever you switch into those Jovalich does not play defense so you're losing that. Chicharito does not play defense. He may track back every once in a while. Jovovich may track back, but they don't play defense. Grand Sur, if you play him on the left side, will play defense. And, and now, but but this brings us to a problem because you and I were talking earlier today, and and you you are of the opinion that you need to stay with the old lineup. The you need to have uh, Grand Sur and Cabral, and they're playing some defense. No, I, I don't. Need, I don't need Cabral. Cabral has shown over time and time again that he cannot be trusted. Well, so. if you don't want Jovovich in there, then who are you going to play? Uh, just play in a normal, four, whatever they four two three one, and you can put uh, a Grand Sur on one side and Costa on the other side. I don't think Costa moving into the center, which is something that Greg is trying to do right now without Victor Vasquez, um, is moving Costa into a more central role to make him more of a creep. I don't, I don't think he has the room. I don't. Well, I don't like it. So, I think there's two solutions here. One is you're, you're saying you know bench bench Cabral and go with the 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 same sort of formation the. The, the what's four two three one mm-hmm. and and have it be defensive minded because you're playing Austin who leads the lead with twenty two goals and at and least at least for the next be, one be def, more defensive minded okay so that's one solution another a lot of people have been talking about is you know if they had a central attacking midfielder you know spend yes. some tam or spend some tam or gam to get a a hundred percent yeah so, yeah but, <laughs> say but that again <laughs> spend some tam or gam to get a cam yes but you, you that's not going to happen this week. So you can't do that this week. And the one thing with Jovalich, I think it's getting to um, a point now, and I think Sasha mentioned it after the game and uh, answering your question. Jovalich is, is really frustrated right now. He feels like he's producing, and he is, but he's not getting the playing time. And he's looking and he's saying, this team is struggling offensively. I'm the answer to that, and I can't get on the field. And I'm just wondering how much, how much longer do we let this go along? I understand the defensive mindset for Austin. That makes sense. But what do you tell Jovovich? Yeah, you're doing great and we really need you and we need your offense, but you're on the end of the bench again. 
Yeah. Uh, Patrick, by the way, gave us a $10 super chat, says uh, this show continues to kick butt. Also, anyone who puts shots on frames needs needs to play. Not wrong, by the way. Uh, shots on frame would be a, a good thing to have there. And and I think the chat room is correct as as well, that this it, it shouldn't all be on Alvarez to create because Cabral and Costa aren't creating, right? Like there's... Y- y- Efrain Alvarez is filling this void that is being created, being created by the fact that Costa is not creating chances and the fact that Cabral has never created chances, right? Uh, Cabral is supposed to be a finisher, by the way. He can He's supposed to have some assists on the wing and that type of thing, but he's supposed to eventually get into that no attack and goals, finish. No goals, no assists in 500 minutes. Correct. Zero. Yes. No, it's, it's not good. I mean, and it hasn't been good, which again... I was with Vanny whenever he was benching Cabral and starting Grand Sur. To me, that makes more sense. And if you're going to give Cabral time, then it's either because you're winning the game, right? Because, listen, I think what's going to start happening is you're going to start to see Dejan Jovalich a lot more. But you're not going to see him start because the Galaxy aren't going to start in a 4-4-2, at least not, certainly not this week coming up. But maybe at home against Dallas, maybe that makes more sense. But you're eventually, you're going to see him getting more. He got almost, he got 30 minutes in this game. Right. So he got 30 minutes to, to produce and he created three chances. Um, he and, has 80, 80 minutes this season. Yeah, he has 80 minutes. Well, and 30 of them came last night. So right. so you want day on to get more minutes. Right. But you're angry that Greg didn't give him. The, he Greg basically gave him the most MLS minutes he's had all year in this RSL game. Well, he earned it. I'm going to say Greg, it, he earned it and Greg let him have it. Well, I mean, that's fine. You can say, I, again, it's up to Greg to decide who plays, right? So Greg gave him 30 minutes. He said, you're right. You do deserve to play more. And by the way, this was one of the few times, if we look at the LA Galaxy um, and we sit and I'm trying to find my chart here. Here it is. And we look at the scored first versus allowed first. The LA Galaxy have only been in sort of the allowed the first goal position twice this year. Right, Jovalich coming on in the four four two or any formation that sort of has two forwards for the LA Galaxy, right, is a we need to score, not we need to defend position. So playing from behind, the Galaxy have to be playing from behind or pushing to win, like they did in Nashville, right? Which is you're at home and you're pushing to win. If if you're playing in Nashville, by the way, and it's and it's zero zero, and and Nashville's playing this low block thing. I don't think Greg changes the formation and tries to push for the win. I think he sits there and takes the draw, right? Where you're at, home or away, sort of depends on where you're at. Greg's hand is forced here, though, right? He goes into the 4-4-2, he moves Jovalich in there, and the Galaxy go off and they they go and attack in that 4-4-2, and eventually that doesn't even work, and they have to move into the 3-5-2, right? So they're throwing even more bodies forward, that type of thing. So those are the positions that Jovalich is going to get the most amount of time, and in this particular case, it comes because of the fact the Galaxy give up an early second-half goal, and well, then Vanny gets to put him in. And, and you and I both agree, I, I think, that Cabral is a... Very talented player, has some great tools, but probably doesn't deserve his playing time right now. He needs to straighten out. You know, I've heard a lot about players when they're watching the game from the sidelines. They just see it differently. They're not all consumed with what they're doing. They see the game. They see how it develops. My argument would be that he's an incredibly talented player, and he's on a five-year contract. He's going to play. My argument would be it might be better at this point to sit him. He's not contributing, and other players could contribute more. And you and I talked about this. I'm going to go over my my really harebrained theories, which you told me that hold no water, but I'm going to try them anyways. The first one is that um, Greg, Greg's the one that signed Cabral. He's the one that found him. He's the one that loves him. Greg just thinks he needs to be out there on the field. Greg believes he's going to do some good things mm-hmm. um, and he's going to keep playing. I mean, that's his guy. That's right. one theory. Mm-hmm. The other theory that I brought up to you was that I'm wondering if Greg's being told to play him. And, and that theory works this way. He's a designated player. He's here for five years. 
Galaxy want to get their money out of him. They want to see him develop now rather than later because they want to get their investment back. Now, he's not a highly uh, priced DP, but he is a DP. And, and so when you look back, you say, well, they're not going to tell Greg Vanny what to do. And and that's what uh, Dan Beckerman and, and everybody else says. We hire people and they make the decisions and they're the, the soccer people. I don't tell them what to, who to put on the stage at stagecoach. Okay, fine. That's his. That's what he tells you. But when you go back in history and see what how Dad Beckerman and Chris Klein have run this organization, they told Bruce Arena he needed to, he needed to sign and play Giovanni dos Santos. Bruce did not want Giovanni dos Santos. They told Bruce Arena, the greatest coach in U.S. history, to sign and play Giovanni dos Santos. Bruce didn't want Steven Gerrard. Told him to sign Gerrard and play him. So if they're telling Bruce Arena what to do, it's not a leap to to, to suspect that they might be telling Greg Vanny we want to see this guy. On the field, and remember, with Kurt Onafo, he never had a chance. I don't think he any of those players or lineup decisions were one that he was fully invested in. I think he was told what to do. That's just the theory. I don't believe that one. I think the first one is probably more probable right. that Greg Vanny really wants to play him. But I, I just, when you see what happened with Bruce and you see what happened with Kurt Onafo, you just wonder, this guy's not contributing. Greg Vanny obviously sees it. Why is he still playing? Um. I went and sort of looked at some of this 22-2022 season and, and looked at goals and assists per 90. And so we're trying to take that into account, right, of everything that's going on. And so uh, we can look at Kevin Cabral. Well, that's pretty easy. He has zero. He doesn't have any goals. He doesn't have any assists in 500 minutes played. Douglas Costas played just a little bit less minutes, by the way, um, in eight games played and, and six games started. 463 minutes, has one goal, no assists, and he's at .19. By the way, the one goal, as Taylor Twelman rightfully pointed out after somebody had said, Costa really doesn't have much going since he joined the LA Galaxy through uh, you know his eight games that he's played was that one goal was a deflection off of somebody's head on a on a on a free kick right so that you can't even really say oh well that was 100% a clean goal from Costa um, so if you look at their goals and assists per 90 so far from combined 17 games played 13 games started 963 combined minutes they have a 0 0.09 goals and assists per 90 it's very low you want to go over to our our friend Dayon Jovalich what he's been doing through seven games played, 80 minutes played, he has one goal and one assist, which gives him a 1.125 goals per goals and assists per 90. If you look at Sam Grandseer, who has had nine games played, four games started, 342 minutes, right? Much less than Cabral, by the way. And I think Grandseer has been the better player. Uh, 342 minutes, then he has zero goals, but three assists. He's a 0 0.79. So if you add those two players together, guys who are, have been quote unquote more subs than anything, although Sam has had some starts and he had four games started in there, you get a goals and assists per 90 of, uh, 0.85. Okay. And the goals plus assists four contributed to four goals. They only scored 10. Yeah. Really nine because one was a, an own goal. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, to all, to me, what this, again, this is showing, and we've been, we've been trouncing to this. I've been, listen, I have, I, I understand what Fanny thinks he sees in Cabral. I understand why he wants to, I think, continue to play him and continue to work him. Um, because I don't think Cabral, listen, Cabral is going to go to the bench. Either it happens this game or it happens the next game, unless he has some drastic thing. In my mind, I think even Greg has sort of had enough, and he's feeling the heat and the pressure from everything else. He sees that they're not creating. Now, when Victor Vasquez returns and likely returns against Austin, um, <coughs> you know, we'll sort of see whether that not the creativity comes back and the Galaxy suddenly starts scoring goals again. But in my mind, there's been no argument whatsoever that Grant Sure shouldn't be starting over Cabral if you're going to stick in your base formation. Right. And that's there, there shouldn't be an argument about that. And somehow there seems to be with Greg right now and looking at what Cabral gives versus what Grant Sir gives. Right. And I just think Jovalik is, is more he's proven he's more dangerous. And even if he doesn't score, having him on the field 
as somebody that opponents have to worry about and mark a little bit and is going to open things up for Chicharito. I think it's a, a, a good change all the way around. And you're right, he may not be in the starting lineup, but when you look at he's getting an average of 10 minutes a game. When you look at it, I know he got he got 29 minutes this game, but for the most part, he's getting an average of 10 minutes a game. That, that's not really enough for a player of uh, uh, that plays his position, a creative player. Unless you're, again, an Alan Gordon we talked about last week, I, I think he needs a little bit more time on the field to sort of get into the rhythm of the game. I don't think 10 minutes is enough. Yeah, well, so 30 minutes was good enough. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, it that's, was. That's and, and look, he scored, but it didn't count. I mean, so so my argument here is my argument has been is that you get Dayon onto the field more, right? And that means that you put him in positions that he can succeed. Now, I've talked about how Greg likes to put him in, uh, you know, a two forward formation whenever the Galaxy are behind. And they need to generate that offense. But there's another way to get, uh, you know, Dayon more minutes in these games, and that is to pull Chicharito in games, right? We talked about Chicharito having around two thousand minutes this season, right? We said, hey. Around 2,000 minutes probably seems pretty good. The dude has not not played 90 minutes almost every single. He's had a couple games where he got pulled a couple minutes early. But other than that, he's been straight up. He, he played in the U.S. Open Cup game for crying out loud. What a that, that I don't think was a good decision. Well, I mean, I don't think it hurts him, and I certainly the Galaxy were winning at that point, and I think you know he just ran around. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know why you put any more minutes on his legs um, and, and do that. By the way, Chicharito I think was down in Mexico actually uh, doing a, a in, ch- in Guadalajara with the yeah. kids thing. Yeah, yeah the, which was which was with Herbalife and the LA Galaxy and all that fun stuff, right? Um, and so he did that. You think he went to see his parents? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you would imagine if you're in the neighborhood, you should probably stop by, right? Yeah. Mom and dad would probably be like, Hey, you know, Hey, come to this thing, mom and dad. Um, then we can have lunch afterwards or whatever. Or they saw it on his Twitter feed and said, you were here and you didn't see us. But the bottom line is that Chicharito, listen, somebody asked me today, did they like, do you think the galaxy resigned Chicharito? And I said, I think there's a pretty good chance right now, just based on how it is. I go, especially if he's healthy and I go, and that's sort of a trap. In my mind, if Chicharito stays healthy this entire season, Kevin, there's all of a sudden this expectation that he's going to be healthy again. And I don't know that we can think that he's going to be healthy for any entire season or any season after that. Right. So it's kind of a trap that if Chicharito stays healthy this entire year and has a really good school goal scoring record, even if he scores 17 goals like he did in 34 games. Still, that's a lot of goals. And that's that's good enough. And the Galaxy are going to want to be like, yeah, we're going to resign him. But you're also sort of playing this this Russian roulette with it, which is, you know that he could be injured at any time. And that's the same thing with Costa too, right? Is that you are expecting injuries from these guys. And, and excuse me. And sometimes even when um, they don't get injured, that's, that's sort of, it's almost like a, an outlier, right? Oh, they're not getting injured. Oh, but usually they would be during this time. And so you get to be reliant on these guys. I mean, right now, if Costa got injured again, and I'm not sure the galaxy would miss him, but some of the fact is that we don't exactly know what Costa is bringing to the table yet or what he's capable of. He had an injury. He was late to preseason and Greg's still trying to work him back into, you know, fitness and, and, and be ready and have him available for all these games and more minutes. Well, there's a couple of templates. I'll give you a, a breather so you can go die over there. Um, it, it, we, you take a look at at the Costa contract. We still don't know what it's worth, but we know it's a year and a half. So that's what they signed him for. And and that was a player where you had some concerns. Is he injured? Is he healthy? He's not going to take a year contract. The player's not going to. His agent's not going to. You don't want to give him a two-year contract because you don't know if he's injured or not. That 18-month deal was the sweet spot. It worked out really well. That's exactly what LAFC is doing with Carlos Vela. They don't know if he's healthy, but his contract runs out in June. So they're not going to sign him for a year because he's not going to take that. They got the 18-month contract. He'll be there through 2023. He's going to take a pay cut, but he's going to be there through 2023. You don't have that advantage with Chicharito. When he finishes his contract, 
first of all, he's older than both of those players right. by a year. But when he finishes his contract at the end of this year, it's like he's probably not going to take a one-year deal. You can't give him an 18-month deal because it expires in the middle of the season. It's going to be a tough negotiation. I'm sure the player and his agent are going to ask for two years, and the Galaxy are going to come back and say, we'd like to do this one year at a time. And I think that's where it breaks down. It's not going to break down so much over the money. It's probably going to break down over the length of the contract. Yeah, very well could. And, and listen, I think that in some ways, Jovalich could be a striker of the future for the LA Galaxy. I'm not saying he would be a direct replacement for somebody like Chicharito. He's, what, 20, he's 22. He's 22. I mean, you were talking about a kid who could be on the rise, and this could be more long-term for, for everything. Now, listen, let's pump the brakes a little bit on, on Jovalich, just in terms of where he's at. It, it, there is a lot of this, and I said it before, it's like the the um, the backup quarterback syndrome in the NFL, which is whenever your quarterback isn't playing well, put in the backup, put in the backup. Like it's that. There's a lot of that with Jovalich. But there are some numbers to back him up as well. The goals and assists per 90 right now for the LA Galaxy, day on Jovalich, 1.03 according to uh, FB ref, okay? 1.03. I think they also count his time in the U.S. Open Cup in this as well. So um, so he's at 1.03. Uh, you had Sam Grandseur, who is second in goals and assists. Again, my argument, and my argument will continue to be, start Sam Grandseur. All right? He needs to be on that field. You need to start him. Bring Cabral off the bench. Uh, at this point, I think trying to protect him in any sort of way in terms of uh, like saying, oh, well, you can't put a DP on the bench. You absolutely could. I've watched, I've watched Bruce Arena put Robbie Keane and Steven Gerrard on the bench, so I've seen it. Um, you absolutely can. I'm not saying it's a great use of money. But in the overall terms of things of how much, uh, you know, Cabral costs and, and everything like that, it's not this huge hit. Bottom line is get guys who are out there and can compete. And right now, the answer is Grand Sur is competing and is ready. So start Grand Sur. He is your best chance of, of creating goals and doing those things, right? You have Chicharito on there, 0.57 goals and assists. Raheem Edwards, 0.33. Douglas Costa, 0.20, right? So you see some of that now. Cabral, by the way, way down there at zero because he has z neither assist or um, or a goal. Now, if we go into expected goals plus expected assists, right? So now we get into the the analytics part of this. We can see Sam Grandseur is actually top at 0.88 expected goals and expected assists. That means that Grandseur, if we go back to the first chart, Kevin, at 0.78 is actually slightly underperforming what his expected goals and expected assists are, right? And then if we look at Jovalich, Jovalich at 0.81 expected goals and assists, which means Jovalich is out kicking his coverage by a little bit, by as much as, you know, maybe 20% whenever you look at, you know, the numbers that are over one and he's about 80% 80, 80 on this, right? So there's a little bit of something there. So you would expect that given Jovalich more time that he's going to regress back to that 0.8, which means he's not going to stay as hot as he was. Having said that, still one of the hottest players on the LA Galaxy, right? And, and I would argue that he's going to create more opportunities for Chicharito and other players just by having another dangerous person up front. And by the way, when you talk about if Chicharito goes, who if Chicharito does go, uh, who would be the alternative? And you mentioned Jovalich, and I think that's probably right. I got another one, Zlatan. He yeah. did an interview with ESPN, and he said he is no. not. He is not. He is not giving up on MLS. He said. Here's his quote about MLS, and he said I, that he would consider a return there under the right conditions. He said, I was too good for the whole competition. That is what I showed, and I'm the best ever to play in MLS. That is not me having ego or trying to show off that is true. When I was there, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I liked the way they were working, the way they were doing the marketing stuff. Playing in MLS was the best way for me to come back after my injury. I was in the best condition ever, and I'm very proud I played for MLS. There was no empty stadium. Should have said where there was no empty stadiums when I was playing. It was even overbooked, so I cannot complain. He has eight goals this year for AC Milan and says he would 
be willing to come back to MLS. So there you go. There's no, your alternative. No, please don't. It, by the way, I have I do not disagree with him. Um, I was talking to uh, Kevin Hartman, um, LA Galaxy, former LA Galaxy goalkeeper, current LA Galaxy head uh, head coach, uh, goalkeeping coach, um, and Kevin Hartman at one point. You know, we were sort of joking around. We were asking something. This was uh, a while ago. And, and I said, you know, Zlatan. I go, who's the best player I ever played in MLS? And he goes, who'd you say? And I said, oh, Landon Donovan. And he goes, not even close. And he, and <laughs> listen, you know, it's, and, and that's not, I shouldn't say that Kevin, Kevin laughed at me whenever I said that. Just sort of like, no, dude, what are you thinking? It was Zlatan and it's not even close. Like Landon Donovan was amazing, right? One, of, I think he's the best player I ever play like consistently in major league soccer, right? Hands down versatility, everything that he did, all the stuff that he won, like hands down. Right. He led the league in goals, assists, right. championships. Right. Just and, everything. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But 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 Kevin Hartman's not wrong that the best individual player to ever play in Major League Soccer was Laton Ibrahim. I, I would I would say best. I mean, it, it's hard when you say best, you know, what the definition is. I, I tend to agree with you on Landon because you look at what he won. The most dominant maybe the most talented, I think you say, is a lot, Tom, because look at all the goals and the way he just, whenever, when he wanted to win a game, he won, he just took over that game. But he won one playoff game in two years for all those goals he scored, didn't lead a team to a championship. Landon was not as talented, right. um, and Landon would tell you that, but he won champion. And what's the what's the object of the game? It's yeah. to win, yeah. not to score goals. It's to win. Landon yeah. did that. I'd say Robbie Keane, that the elder David Beckham, the the. 2011 2012 david beckham not the 2007 david beckham that was a guy that's that's up there too because his team won granted it was a great team but the team won so i you know i think that's what you look at and zlatan was clearly the most dominant i mean i mean if you put okay just this thought experiment you put zlatan on this team right because i would say hands down this team is way better than than some of the teams. Uh, certainly, the 2019 team that that went to the playoffs for Zlatan. I will say that the like this 2021 team is better constructed, more of a team, a little bit more deep, better idea of how to play. If you put Zlatan in place of Chicharito, what happens? Yeah, and, and well, and another guy that's going to be in that conversation would be Carlos Vela. What he's won one, two playoff games, and yes, they did get the Champions League final, different competition. But when you talk about a guy that is a winner, Landon Donovan. He has all the rings. I, I don't know, and and please, uh, this is not my bias showing. I don't know how you can even mention Carlos Vela in the same sentence with some of, with Landon Donovan in, in any way, right? I mean, it doesn't... Listen, Carlos Vela is a good player. He's not as good as I think as Joseph Martinez was whenever Joseph Martinez was playing, right? A guy won a title. Won a title, right? The whole deal. So, I mean, Zlatan... And, and again, listen, Zlatan, the talent level and what he did... Within you know the framework of MLS and that and some of those bad Galaxy teams um, was was amazing. So listen, I think if you put Zlatan on this team, that this team is you know a, a, obviously a goal scoring machine, but there's still problems. They're still creating. It's still about getting the ball to Zlatan and how you do that. The Galaxy still have a creation problem. And all the times we've asked Greg. By the way, there was somebody in here said um, one of the somebody in the chat room was like, you know, the media needs to ask Greg Vanny why he continues to play Cabral. And that question was asked like two weeks ago. Damian Calhoun yeah. asked it and. If you go and listen to all of the press conferences, which is why I put them out there, you have all the same knowledge that we do whenever we talk to Greg. It's not like I get Greg's phone number and get to talk to him on the side. I've asked. They don't. They said no. Because especially whenever I ask about injuries before games, I'm like, why isn't this person playing? They're like, well, you have to wait to talk to Greg. I said, great, give me his phone number. I'll call him right now. I need to know now why this guy isn't playing. Not We can ask Greg about it in detail afterwards, but everybody's asking right now, right? So all the information that we get and all the questions we have, I mean, you know, 
we don't, and and you you wouldn't either. This is my my thing. Everybody in here is is has puts their big boy pants on whenever they think they're like if they were going to talk to Greg Vanny, they think that they would be like, "Hey, Greg, why are you so stupid and why do you keep playing Cabral?" <laughs> it's like, no, you wouldn't. You have to think of of good ways to answer those questions, and Greg is fine with that. You're able to challenge him as long as you ask a good question, right? I asked about formations after this game. It was the biggest thing to me, which was the Galaxy weren't creating in the in the standard formation. Then you bring Dayon on, you switch into a 4-4-2, and all of a sudden things start to create. And then you switch it again, you go into a 3-5-2. You did everything you needed to do in order to create chances, and you came up short. But the bottom line was that without Victor Vasquez in there, a more brute force sort of attack is needed, right? Something has to change because you're not creating the chances. I mean... right. You have I to like, create chances. You have to convert chances. I will get on F. Ryan Alvarez from not converting one of the few chances. I'll get on Sam Grancier, by the way. Sam Grancier needs to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, that's the thing that's missing for him. And if he wants to establish himself against a Kevin Cabral, put the ball in the back of the net. He may have some assists, and that's good. He needs to put the ball in the back of the net. He had a prime chance to tie that game. F. Ryan Alvarez had a t- prime time chance that game. And quite honestly... Derek Williams should be very, very upset at himself that he even got involved in the ball uh, in, in that in that play in the 94th minute, which I think some Galaxy fans think are um, are I think is controversial. That that's a controversial call. And I don't think there's much controversy to it at all. I, I thought it was pretty clear cut once I figured out what they were actually trying to look for, which was offside. Derek Williams comes from an offside position. He bumps Justin Glad. Glad goes up for the ball. I don't know if Glad would have got to the ball or not. The problem is that if Derek Williams just stays where he's at in an offside position and passive offside and he doesn't do anything and then we could have seen whether or not that ball gets to Dayon, then Dayon buries it and nobody says anything because Williams wasn't involved in the play. Yeah, there's a good chance that he scores that goal if Williams is right. on the sideline getting a drink and just rather than in the middle of the play, he probably scores. But you know, the, the guy in the, in the chat room is right. We need to ask the questions and, and, and we get the opportunity to, and I think the fans uh, counting us to do that. It's our responsibility. We need to ask the questions like, like Damien did. Why is Cabral still playing? A- and then we can come in here and say, Alvarez sucks and Grant is not playing well. And maybe he should go to the bench. And, but the, 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 where, where I differ is I'm not in training every day and I'm not in the discussions that Greg is in and Greg knows things. First of all, Greg knows a lot more about soccer than we do, but he also knows things about this guy's got a little bit of a knock. This guy is not getting along with this guy. This guy's fighting with his girlfriend, whatever it is, there's stuff that we don't know. And so it's fair to ask the question what, what, where I stop there is if I were smarter than Greg, I would be the coach. I'm not a coach. <laughs> therefore, I'm not smarter than Greg. So right. I'm going to ask the questions, but I'm not going to be one of those guys that goes, oh, Greg Vanny's an idiot. He should do the way things the way I would. I don't know what he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's interesting because uh, one of our uh, our listeners says, uh, uh, Ronnie goes, how much money does the Galaxy have to make to get another midfielder? And the bottom line is they have a max TAM spot. Now, the May 4th, I think, is the official trade deadline cutoff for the first uh, window. The Galaxy, to my knowledge, aren't going to do anything. I don't expect them to. The, the thing is, and this is one of the things that has been playing out, is Greg... Anytime we'd ask him about reinforcements, would always talk about defensive midfield. He would always talk about left back. He would talk about player places where they're thin. The problem is that as we're going along here, I think we're starting to figure out that the Galaxy have a creativity problem. They have a cam problem, right? And if that means moving guys like Efrain Alvarez to the bench and you're bringing in somebody at a max TAM deal at $1.6 million, they can come in and create maybe as a 10 or as a false nine or something in that, that way. They can create that those chances then that's most beneficial to the LA Galaxy right now because it's their biggest thing they're lacking. And I think that if you tried to 
figure that out in the in the offseason, you would have said, oh, they got Victor Vasquez, all oh, they got Douglas Costa, all oh, they got Efrain Alvarez. They have plenty of guys to create chances. And that hasn't been the case. And I think that's what we're learning. So I think waiting has allowed the problem to rise to the surface, right? Well, and, and Greg was talking just a couple of weeks ago about we, we were getting rumors of a center back that might be coming. I think Greg's moved on from that. I hope he has. I think he's moved on. They don't need a center back. They don't need an outside back. Well, they do. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd, you'd have a 60-man roster. They, they don't have that. Where they need help is creative role in midfield. And if you say that guy is Victor Vasquez, yes, Victor Vasquez is 34, whatever it is. Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, said he's 81, but I don't really think he's 81. But he's in his late 30s. He doesn't have a, probably a ton of time left. He's already injured. Um, you know, he's having injury problems. Again, bringing somebody in now at that tax at that max TAM right one point six million dollars. That's a guy who is going to be here, not for six months. He's not a rental. This is a guy that's going to need at least an eighteen month contract. So you're saying you'll be here next year. It's a perfect opportunity for the Galaxy. Victor Vasquez will not be back. I don't think the injury problems and all that. If he comes back, he's going to be in a Sasha question role. But we Sa- need a Sasha question. By the way, probably doesn't come back after this year. This is probably his last year. Yeah, I think he might come back as a coach. That yes. would be cool. Yes, that, that I can see. But but my point is, you're not going to get a guy in the Max Tam deal for six months. It's going to have to be an 18-month contract at minimum. Mm-hmm. Can the Galaxy handle that? Yes, because they're going to have that same need next year when Victor Vasquez isn't even in camp, much mm-hmm. less injured. Right. So it's a perfect opportunity. Unfortunately, I don't think they can add – well, they're not going to add him by May 4th. No. Whoever it, they get would be ju- in the summer transfer July. window. So yeah. Yeah, midseason. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's a great opportunity. You've already identified that problem. You know it's going to be a problem next year because of the way your 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 roster is is put together. We've identified the problem. You know, yeah. now go out and, and you got money to solve it. The the big issue there is that you have a DP in Costa who may not be what you wanted, and now you're gonna have him for basically two years because you have him on a loan through six months, then a year and a half, right? And so you're gonna put him together with that. That may be a problem. You have Cabral as a young DP who is not producing and not showing. So that's a and whole he's here for five years, four more after this. Well, three more three after, after this. this. Yeah. Yeah. Three more after I, this. I think Costa is done after 2023. He is. He has. It was a two year total deal. So it is six months and then a year and a half. Okay. All right. So that's that's the total. So basically they have a year and a half left once a six month loan is up this summer. And he, we did. We did on this show predict that. Costa may not be the player that he was rumored to be, that he was going to struggle a little bit. And and we've been right in the galaxy kind of. We'll, we'll see. Know, I can, this I can, this see, one's too early. It's early. This one's yeah. too early. It's only nine games, right? And he's been, and he had an injury in there and he had a late start. So there's still chance for him to develop into something. I'll tell you right now, don't play Costa in the middle. Um, there's not enough room in there for him. I like him much better on the wing. So again, find somebody in the middle. Now, that probably gets solved a little bit with Victor Vasquez coming back. But again, Vasquez is not going to be able to play 90 minutes and he, he can't play 90 minutes. So you're going to have to sub somebody in there. Um, going down and look at some of the LA Galaxy 2 players, which is sort of where you're at at this point, right? Because you need to dig in and you need to find somebody who's doing it. <coughs> Johnny Perez had two uh, had two assists and a goal in a 3-0 win over Phoenix, yeah. right? What, uh, what about Gary. Marky Mark? What about Marky Mark? First of all, Mark... Mark Delgado, and he would he's still playing. He's he's gets to play. Right, in but that. You, could he could he move up into that central no, role? No, I wouldn't. Okay. I don't think he's a creator. Um, I think he's fine box to box. I think he's a little more shaded on the defensive side, just like Revelison. Revelison's fine box to box, but more defensive. You need somebody on that <laughs> off- offensive side. So 
I don't know. I, I mean, the, the answer is, you know, look at Johnny Perez. The answer is look at Daniel Aguirre. Um, while both of those guys are a little more box to box and a little more offensive sort of thumb, we saw Aguirre play really well in the open cup. We saw uh, Perez play pretty decent in the open cup as well. <laughs> They're having success down at galaxy two. Maybe they need to get some more minutes and maybe they get a chance. I think Aguirre could be sort of a hidden playmaker. It's a, it's a, it's not a risk because I don't think there's anything to lose. If you put somebody in there like Aguirre and he doesn't perform well, then it's like the same as you have on the field whenever you have Efrain Alvarez and Costa and Cabral in there. So, wouldn't it be funny if a, a guy like Aguirre or Perez came up and said, yeah, you're better than Douglas Costa for this role? <laughs> I mean, listen, Douglas Costa isn't a goalkeeper, right? Jonathan Bond is a better goalkeeper, right? But I mean, you know, it's yeah, like that. You're not bringing somebody up from from Galaxy 2. Well, you know, I, I would imagine that uh, that is it Jonathan Gonzalez, who's the uh, who's the the L.A. Galaxy 2 goalkeeper, right? I would imagine he's a better goalkeeper than uh, that. If they brought him up, he would be a better goalkeeper than Costa. I mean, like there's just in different positions, guys are different, right? Costa. I don't know where Costa's best position is. I don't think he has the speed right now um, to to be like an all in out outside winger. But I like whenever he cuts in and he inverts. So that's not horrible with Grand Sur, the speed on the left hand side. I like that. I think they create options in there. And then Vasquez being able to come in and pull in and out and sort of do his thing on creation. But again, Vasquez is only a 60 minute solution at best. You know, in, in LA Galaxy history, the, the goalkeeper with the best goals against average has played at least one hour in, in goal. You know who it is? Who? Mike McGee. There you go. He's He, he is he is pretty good. <laughs> um, I was going to say Eric Lopez, by the way, is the LA Galaxy 2 goalkeeper. I wanted to check that on there and see that. So anyway, I, I mean, this is it, there's some there's problems here. The biggest problem for me is in the midfield. Um, I'm not worried about Chicharito getting blanketed coverage. It doesn't matter. He's had that happen through this entire thing. I will continue to argue that now. When guys sit down in the low blocks, which is what all the last three teams have done, basically sit down in the low block and, and <laughs> try to get the Galaxy to break through them. I think that's when you need Victor Vasquez more than anything. That's the creativity that sort of comes in. It's the ability to send balls in and the crosses in that Chicharito can run onto because Chicharito's still making the runs. He's still getting open. Nobody's making the passes, which is sort of what Jovalich's problem was in the Open Cup game, right? Which was getting open, making the runs, not getting the passes. Well, is this, is, a, is this a Raheem Edwards problem? Because he did have those four assists no. in the first four games. No, he just had a bad game. Listen, everybody had a bad game. We didn't, I mean, I didn't fully explain this. Um, and the the full explanation was the LA Galaxy arrived uh, almost 45 to 60 minutes late to the game when they were supposed to. They were supposed to get there at 1210. Remember, this is mountain time. So kickoff was around 130, I think, or 155, I think is what it was supposed to. They're supposed to be there at 1210. And they didn't end up showing it up until about 1245, 1250. So they were almost, like I said, almost an hour late on that MLS. They got there and they had to run out onto the field almost immediately. They ran out onto the field immediately, did the whole thing. Then they get started. And then you see this horrible passing and everything else it was. There's going to be people who will say that's an excuse. Sasha Kleshin said, you know, those are things like excuses. Whenever you talk about altitude or whenever you talk about, you know, the bus being late, those are excuses. But he was also honest. He goes, yeah, it messes with people. Of course it does. He goes, and could it affect the way that we started? Yeah, maybe, you know, those types of things. So that's something that sort of just teed this off. RSL, Salt Lake, that stadium, that place is never comfortable for the LA Galaxy. Add in the bus, add in a slow Why was start. it late? Traffic. Traffic on the on the road. There was an accident on the road. Apparently, there's only probably one road that runs between wherever they were, the hotel and the, and the stadium, and that was it. So they got stuck in it for about 45 minutes. I am, by the way, dying over here. Uh, yeah, you are. I'll give you another breather. Um, you know, when the U.S., uh, women's softball team was great back in like 2008, 2012, when they were winning all these Olympic gold medals. Um, 
they're, they they were so dominant. Their coach used to do things like there was one tournament they were at where he made them sit in the bus until just before game, like literally seconds before the game start. And they had to run out without warmups and just take their positions and start the game. And of course they won like 21 to nothing. And players were asking, why did we do that? And he goes, what if you get to the Olympic gold medal final and you're stuck in traffic because there's an accident on the highway mm -hmm. and you can't get to the game. You've done it before. You know how it works. You're not going to be intimidated. And that's kind of the, uh, the point would be, that's kind of like so, some so, of the galaxy veterans saying like, don't use it as an excuse, right. but it's still not the same as having done it before. No, I was going to say, are you, are you suggesting Greg Vanny crashed the car on the highway in order to get these guys used to it? That's a that's an interesting maybe, one. Maybe for the, yeah, well, well, would they go to Irvine for that uh, U.S. Open Cup game? Maybe maybe they show up right before game time. I like that. That's a that's a good idea. If you look at the uh, the best players for the LA Galaxy, Revelison at 7.1, Araujo 7.0, uh, Delgado 6.9. There were not a lot of good players. Um, well, let's talk about Araujo there for a minute. I mean, is he starting to, 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 to get... Hottie, is he no. starting to find himself again? No, he was just okay. less bad than everybody else in this particular game. He was rather anonymous overall. Um, I'd like to see him a little more involved, but this was not a good game for the Galaxy. There was nothing about this game that was good. There was not good spacing. There was not good passing. And listen, they outpassed, they outpossessed. They did all the things that they were supposed to do. They just, it, it was not there. And you could see it wasn't there from a relatively early sort of kickoff uh, for, for a lot of these things. So, you know, again, um, I don't know that I, t I, I, I worry about it. I do start to worry about this, by the way, uh, which is designated player minutes. Uh, Chicharito having played 97.8%. By the way, that's a worry, even though usually we look at this chart and try to see how many minutes they've gathered. Douglas Costa, 57.2%. Kevin Cabral, 61.7% total available minutes. So these guys are you know playing, and the 72.2% is higher than it has been in recent years. Um, but I don't somehow I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, right now, it feels like it's almost a bad thing. Um, <coughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other charts. Galaxy blew a chance at a perfect, uh, perfect April with a loss. That was something that we were uh, we were touching on beforehand and talking about. Um, let's see. What else? Anything else that you really want to like highlight on what? here, Kevin? You don't have your little um, like um, um, cityscape chart. There it is. Yeah. There we go. 16 like points through nine games. Um, LA Galaxy had 18 points through nine games <laughs> as of last year. Look at 2019. They had 22, 22 points through nine games, 23 points in 2010. So like 16 points. So you say that 2021, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is the eighth best start the LA Galaxy have, have made um, in, in franchise history. Not horrible. Uh, if we want to look at these things and sort of group them in the overall idea of MLS Cup years, the Galaxy are well See, within I the still, range. I still don't get this chart. I just do not understand what's going on here. It's So points across the bottom, or excuse me, points along the left-hand side and games across the bottom, right? So you're at nine games, and so you're at 16 points, which is just above that. Now, the other ones are the paths of the MLS Cup winning years. And so okay. it allows you to sort of uh, uh, pace the LA Galaxy against their MLS Cup years. Or if you don't want to do that and you want to pace them against all their other seasons, you can see they're almost splitting it right down the middle, right? And so this is so far a a, an a slightly above average start. That's what this this chart to me tells me whenever I look at this. I say, okay. okay. 
you know. Okay, now let's see how good you are on this, really. Now bring up the uh, expected goals allowed chart. I don't have the expected goals allowed. Ah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't have it for the full season. Um, I don't have that one. So um, I can't give you goal projections right now, uh, goal projections through 34 games. So the Galaxy have played nine games. They scored 10 goals, conceded seven goals. If we project that over, out over 34 games, the LA Galaxy will, have scored, will score 37.8 goals and only allowed 26.4 goals. The big deal here is that it was 54 goals they gave up last year. Uh, right now it's at 26.4. That is a so they cut it more difference. than half. Yeah, yeah, more than half. Yeah, then that's listen, that changes, right? You give up four goals in a game and all of a sudden that really jumps things early on. But the bottom line is that the defensive trend seems to be sticking. We said that last year because the Galaxy had sort of a lucky defensive trend. The difference was last year the Galaxy were were overplaying their expected goals, right? And so expected goals against, they were like, oh, well, we should have given up 10 goals, but we've only given up five, right? And it was like that big of a dramatic difference. And eventually it regressed sort of to that mean um, when we looked at it. So that's that's pretty good. That's not that's not bad. So let's talk about Raheem Edwards for a minute because uh-huh. he started the season so hot and and really the, the offense stopped in the first half of the LAFC game. He scored one goal since then. Uh, and Raheem Edwards obviously hadn't had an assist since then. Are, are, are opponents taking him out of the game? Are they are they marking him differently and not allowing him to get in good positions? Is he part of the offensive problem? Not because he's playing poorly, but because opponents are taking him out of the game. No, um, I think it's more a combination with who's in front of him, which is Cabral. Um, so that is hurting him. I think he combines better with Grant Sear, so I would put those two sort of in that same position again. So I would see that. Uh, the other thing is that with Vasquez not in there creating chances, uh, Edwards isn't getting to that last ball on the end, right? In order to get Edwards the assist most of the time he's a guy who's going to hit the line and sprint towards the end line right he's going to be played in behind this galaxy team doesn't do well playing anybody in behind whether it's Cabral whether it's Chicha whether it's Jovalich or anything else they're not very good at it in fact if they were better at it they would have more goals so I think I think Raheem is listen he had a blistering start he's been running his butt off uh, he looked tired in the RSL game from the very start, right? There is no substitute for him. There's no replacement for him. You can move Leardam in there. You could do some other things to move guys into positions that isn't great, but you could do that. So I think this RSL game was just sort of a little slump for him uh, because I didn't think he was, he was bad in possession. He was bad in passing. He wasn't in the right spot. So really, I don't think they did anything to pressure him. Um, I think he just had a bad game because he was getting the ball in the same positions. It, it just, it, there was nothing going forward. The Galaxy do not have that creative player to push that ball forward. The, the reason I keep bringing that up, and again, going back to what, what Brian Hollings had said uh, with you know LAFC having so many weapons and the Galaxy not having that, a lot of times it's not like, for instance, Chicharito's having a bad game or Raheem Edwards necessarily having a bad game. A lot of times it's the way the opponents treat them. They decide, an opponent will decide, look, Chicharito's hot. We are not going to let him beat us. Mm-hmm. We're going to challenge Grant Sear or, or whoever else. They can beat us. We're not going to let Chicharito beat us. So we're taking him out of his game. And you say, well, Chicharito didn't score. Well, yeah, because he never had the opportunity the way the team played against him. Teams make adjustments based on on, on how their opponents are playing. And you, you see that baseball is the most obvious example of that. A guy will hit 400 the first months of the season, and then opponents look at him and say, well, he can't hit the curveball down in the way, and that's all he gets, and you never see him again. He gets sent down to the minors. It's being able to have success, teams adjust to you, and then you adjust to their adjustments. And that's where I think the, the Galaxy need to change up, maybe get Jovalik on the field. That's the guy that I want to see play to allow those adjustments to take form so that Chicharito can get open again, so that right. Raheem Edwards can be dangerous again. Right. So, so I guess teams just decided they weren't going to mark, mark, uh, mark Zlatan whenever he was playing, right? They just, they were we, like, well, you know what? We'll let other people, but we'll let other people do it. 
I think we've talked about that. We, you saw him. He would he would dribble into the box with Listen, four guys again, hanging on. Again, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that is very obvious to a lot of people. Chicharito is the main goal scorer for the LA Galaxy. They're going to game plan. Every team so far this year, the Galaxy have played nine, have decided to themselves, we're not going to let Chicharito beat us. You well, know what? You no, know what the but, answer has been for the LA Galaxy? You know what the big adjustment that it has? And it's not even so much an adjustment. It's just the way that certain teams play is the low block. The low block has well, been the hardest thing for the LA Galaxy to beat. And that's and not a Galaxy Chicharito can, thing. That's no, a Galaxy the, 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 thing. The Galaxy can open that up by other, I mean, the people will move out of that low block if Jovalet scores six goals in two games. I mean, so so the answer to the low block is to flood the zone, right? And Jovalet did score in that in the Nashville game, right? And the, I, I also would like to push back the LA Galaxy haven't scored a goal since, you know, the LAFC game. They've scored three goals, just none of them counted, right? Yeah, and well, so that's, I mean, there's something. The chances have been somewhat created. They're just few and far between. There's a lot more chances whenever it goes. But the low block is not necessarily a Chicharito defeating option, although it does limit his space. I will give you that. Right? It's and, just and, how you beat the Galaxy because they, but, they haven't been able to beat that down. By the way, your ridiculous Zlatan thing is, is the comment that proves the rule. You saw Zlatan. Everyone tried to beat him. He literally dribbled into the box with guys hanging on him. Chichir- Chicharito is the all-time goal scorer for the Mexican national team. Do you think that there has ever been a time when a team said, you know what, we'll let Chicharito beat us? Oh, they had Chucky Lozano. They had Vela. They had a lot of I'm other just, options. Uh, yes, but the, who was the top leading scorer in the Mexican national uh, team? It was Chicharito. This has been a thing for his entire life. Do you think whenever Chicharito deked the Portland defender on where he almost fell down and he scored the goal, do you think it was because Portland was like, you know, we're just not going to let Chicharito beat us or they were like you know what we'll allow him to have this a one. better example I'll give you a better example of a game I actually saw 2018 World Cup uh, uh, opening round game Germany against Mexico Chicharito coming in on a break because the Germans collapsed all over him what did he do back to the goal dished off to Chucky Lozano scored the goal won the game Chicharito doesn't have anyone to dish off to here Chicharito's coming in and he looks to his left and he sees Grant Searing, looks to his right and sees Cabral. He's probably thinking, nah, I'll just try this myself. And it's not working out. He needs to have a wingman that is dangerous that can actually score occasionally or even shoot occasionally. I mean, again, the Galaxy have had four other people score goals, right? It's not like they haven't. Okay. But what I'm saying, and by the way, uh, Blue Ninja says, you know, Kevin just hit the nail on the head. This is literally what, what opponents do with Cabral. His final product is not great. So they're daring him to make a decision. Um, sure. Okay, that's fine. And he and then his other argument um, says, if you start with more in the zone and score first, the opponent will stop the low block. 100%, which is why the Elliott Galaxy have the record they do whenever they score first, which is to pull people out of zones and to do that. Now, the problem is that that goes both ways. And, and nobody ever wants to acknowledge the other way, which is if you start with a more aggressive uh, you know, starting lineup where you're throwing more people into the zone. Listen, RSL didn't come in a low block. That was not a low block game for most of that game because the first half was played... Straight up. It was. It was bad, though. It was so bad. It was two teams that were really bad. Uh, RSL probably was the better of the bad team in the first half, but it was bad teams. They were not low blocks there. And the Galaxy, listen, the Galaxy weren't in any sort of hurry to really break out and be into any attacking zones either. But RSL didn't sit in a low block until they really scored a goal. So, I mean, that's the answer, which is, you know, hey, don't allow that goal. Hey, Jonathan Bond, don't allow that goal. If you come out for a ball, make sure you get it. Because if that happens, the Galaxy probably find a way to massage this game into a either a draw or with a zero zero draw or they go in and they and they steal one with with some creativity and you bring Jovalich into that second half um, and you, you can went, do that. 
you wandered off the path you were going to, which is one I agree with, is like right. try to score first. Go yes. out aggressive. Maybe maybe Ovalich starts instead wait, of coming wait a minute. Wait start a minute. with a start a with a one nine formation. Start with one center back and nine forwards and score the goal, and then you're ahead, and then there's no low block, and then you win. See, look. LA Galaxy have formation. Yes, yes. The LA Galaxy <laughs> have seven times this season scored first. Seven times out of nine games they have scored first. And they lost three games. By the way, I said they lost two games. They lost three games. The now, Orlando now game, the RSL game, and the Seattle game. And, and against Seattle, they scored first, right? Seattle, by the way, didn't play much of a low block, um, although they did do uh, do well on set pieces. Those were also set piece goals. Um, you said they scored They scored first in seven of the nine games? Yes. Yeah. Only, well, one, only one of those games did they, um, did they lose. Well, they didn't score first in the... Orlando game because they didn't score and they didn't score first in the fire Chicago fire game. Yeah. I, literally Kevin, I can show you exactly how many games <laughs> that they scored first. Okay. In. Okay. Okay. So it was six of nine, excuse me, six of nine there only because only I have the one game that didn't count um, because nobody scored right. Zeros. Whenever there's zeros, yeah. there's none of that. So yeah, if you go and, and you go and look at that, I have it listed up above, but it's not brought down. But onto the I bottom. agree with the mark. I agree with the argument you almost made, which was maybe they should be more aggressive at the start because sure. Then you're playing from behind more. The, yeah. And you take, take teams out of that low block and uh, then it, you, it, it, it's an even up game. Good. Go back to and last you win year. Those games. Go back to last year. Go back to last year. That's what the galaxy did. They were more aggressive. They would give up goals on counterattacks and then they would lose the games. But don't you think this team is better defensively? Why are they better? Why are they better defensively? Is it strictly a product of the game they play and not the players they play? How many people changed on the defense overall from one year over to the other? Derek Williams, the same. Sega Koulibaly, the same. Julian Araujo, the same. Raheem Edwards, new. Mark Delgado, new. There's two new guys. I believe that people develop and can be rehabbed. I believe that perhaps some of these people underwent a growth cycle in the offseason and learned their role a little bit better. I think this is a better defensive team. And it yes, is. That's a product. It's a product of the way they play. A Vanny system. Think their players are better. Yes, a Vanny system. It is a product of, the, of a defensive coach's system that he brought in. That's why they are a better defensive team. But everybody, and, and I'm against this, right? Now, I think that there's ways to do it and moments to do it. And Greg Vanny says sort of the same thing. Um, I Here's the thing. I will disagree with the coach whenever I see something that tells me something differently, right? Uh, I think he's, I think he sees, and so, so do I. Jovovich is the hot hand right now. You need to play him more, right? So he got 30 minutes, more minutes than he's gotten all year, right? And you needed him to play because you were playing from behind. The situation's lined up and you got Jovovich playing, 100%. There's, there's no argument. It's like, what, you wanted Jovovich earlier? And that, to me, that doesn't make as much sense because the Galaxy weren't in trouble earlier, Right. That wasn't they didn't need to press. They didn't need to give up the defensive side of things. Right. Until a mistake on a set piece cost you. So for me, I want to start in a base position. Right. And my base formation is that four in the back. It's with two in the front with Ravellos and Delgado. Give me those six players in their normal spots where they're at. All right. Then you can sort of mess with some things. Costa coming inside. Costa staying outside. Victor Vasquez coming in there. Grand Sur Cabral over there. Right. Chicharito up top. But again, pull Chicharito. Stop giving them so many minutes. All right, this is it's going to catch up to Greg. And by the way, Jovlich is going to get a lot of playing time whenever Chicharito gets hurt, which is what happened last year, right? So all of these things are going to build into each other. But I am of the opinion that you start in the base formation and that you work from there and that defense first is not a horrible way to be. All right, certainly not right now. Get Victor Vasquez back and then get a cam in the summer and see if you can create because you have the ability to create within this system. And you have wingers like Grant Sir, who I think are good. And you have... We'll see about Costa. Let's see. 
another he he needs time i think you got to give him more time right so the whole deal by the way there is there is no doubt that you could go more aggressively if you wanted to but the galaxy have been more aggressive and they lose a lot of those games whenever they do that right so well, i mean if the idea is to get teams out of the low block and to score first i think it behooves the galaxy to be a little more aggressive from, you, from the start. you don't play chicago again you play nashville one more time so you're gonna have a low block there right austin's not gonna low block right dallas isn't a low block team you, you don't understand the things that conspired to just happen. RSL is a RSL does not play in a low block unless they score first. Right. And so they scored first on a mistake. Right. That really, when you look at it, maybe they shouldn't have had. Right. So for me, you don't want to change everything when things are actually going pretty well for the LA Galaxy right now. Austin and what they're going to bring with that offense, this is going to be a test. Um, I don't believe in Austin. All right. I say that now. Now it's going to be 100 degrees. In Austin, I'm not sure that's the game that you want to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I, I, I trust the I trust that the LA Galaxy are going to be better than Austin. Um, but this game coming up, it's going to be a 4 p.m. TV start time on Fox uh, FS1 and Fox Deportes. Now, that's 4 p.m. here. So it is 6 p.m. As you it's, mentioned yeah. earlier, mm -hmm. the weather. 6 yeah. PM yeah. There. And a 425 p.m. kickoff time. So six about right about 630 kickoff time. Uh, whenever you look at Q2 Stadium in Austin, this is on uh, Sunday, May 8th. That's Mother's Day. So. You may already have to start your negotiations if you want to watch uh, watch some of that. Um, this is going to be a game um, that is uh, interesting just in terms of where Austin is in the standings. Um, and we'll get to those here real quickly, and then we'll start to wrap things up. But if you look on the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia is number one over there in the Eastern Conference. 18 points, New York Red Bulls 17, Orlando 17, and Montreal 14. Um, we go over on the Western Conference, LAFC, and then Austin. Austin's at 20. Um, Austin has been playing well. 22, 22 goals. 22 goals. Games. Yeah. 22 goals for the big deal is that eight goals against, right? The LA galaxy, seven goals against, uh, uh you have Austin with eight. Yeah, goals I think against. Austin has the best, uh, goal differential in, in MLS. Yeah, they do. Right. But I will say this, that, um, I've looked sort of at some of their stats on their XG, right? Their expected goals. And they are not, they are not creating a lot, all those chances. They are way outperforming that. So again, this, well, we've well, seen that similar, similar to, to sort of starting that regression and, and sort of coming back, but. I have I have a friend in Austin, which I know would surprise you that I have a friend, but I yes. do have a friend in Austin who is a uh, Austin season ticket holder, I believe. And anyway, he follows the team very closely. At the beginning of the season, after about two or three games, I was like, "Congratulations, your team is really good this year." He said, "No, they're not. They're really not that good. This is all smoke and mirrors. They're going to revert to their mean. You know, they're going to be back at the bottom of the conference standings before too long." Recently, he's changed his tune. He's beginning to believe that perhaps there's something there, and. Sure. It's only a third of the way, you know, it's not even what, almost a, third. a quarter of the way into the, yeah. a third of the yeah. way into the season. So we'll see. I don't know, you know, have they played, they haven't played LAFC yet. I don't think they played Nashville. They played in the Galaxy for the first time. They haven't played a lot of the top teams in the Western Conference. I don't think they the, may have had one game against Seattle where they, they did well. That, I am trying to remember that's, who they played. That's the other part of this, by the way, the strength of schedule that's going about. The LA Galaxy, I think, have the seventh hardest schedule so far through these first nine games out of every team. Um, and that's not something that you can say about, uh, I think, the teams that are above them in the Western Conference or above them in the Sporter Shield, right? That those schedules and basically everybody who's above the LA Galaxy and strength of schedule that's had a harder schedule is like down below the playoff line, right? And so there's something to that as well that you would expect the LA Galaxy yeah, to well, pick up momentum as they start playing some of these well, lower teams. Here's who they play. They, Austin beat Cincinnati, okay? They mm -hmm. beat Miami when they scored 10 goals in those two games. They lost to Portland. They, they drew Seattle. And they drew the earthquake. So the earthquake's the worst team in the, mm -hmm. the conference. It can beat them. Barely beat Minnesota. 
Um, they did beat DC United, another team that's struggling. They beat the Whitecaps, and they beat the uh, Houston Dynamo in the big sort of Houston, uh, and Houston has, game. Yeah, I was going to Houston has been a betterish team so far to start. Um, and we looked at the April the LA Galaxy had, and then we can look at the May. Uh, we talk about Austin coming up. We have the the U.S. Open Cup game as well, Cal United uh, coming up. That's a midweek game. Um, so it's a way to Austin, home, uh, excuse me, a way to Cal United down in Orange County, and then home to Dallas, and then a way to Minnesota, and then a way. This is not an easy schedule. This is not, there's nothing about this. There's You play all the Texas teams, and you play Austin twice, and then you throw in Minnesota in there. Um, so that is going to continue to play havoc. I think for as good as the month that the LA galaxy had in April, which was a fairly su- successful month. Whenever you look at how many points they picked up and everything else that they had, I mean, 10 points in the month of April is pretty good. And an average of 2.0 points per game is really good over, over five games. Well, if they match that anywhere near as close as what they were, what they did, um, in April, then you're going to see an LA galaxy team that's near the top of the standings in the, in the Western conference, because and, and, that's a lot. Look at- Look at that points per month, not the points per month, but the, the schedule. Mm-hmm. May, May, I think, is a key month for Chicharito and for Costa because there's five games. Then they have June is is kind of, you know, with the international break and stuff, a little bit less of a hectic schedule. Then July and August, there are going to be six games in there with that, mm-hmm. that game with Chivas. If Costa and Chicharito can get through May without serious injury, they might be okay because June's not too bad, and then by July and August – you know, hopefully the Galaxy have sort of hit their stride and, and found some combinations to play. But that could be it, it could be a big month for those guys. They've uh, in the case of Chicharito, he's already got a lot of minutes on him, and he's going to have a difficult schedule in May well, with some heat. Yeah, like we said, a uh, hundred degrees coming up in, uh, in Austin uh, coming up this weekend. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday. Now here here's the thing on Thursday. Uh, I have to travel to Dallas on Wednesday for business. I am supposed to leave Dallas on Thursday afternoon and get back in time to do the show. Um, Dallas being Dallas, they have severe weather warnings that are going throughout this week. Um, So there's a chance that if weather gets bad and I don't make it back in time, there won't be a live show. If there is a live show, um, and if there is a show at all, uh, it would happen on Thursday night because Friday night is probably a no-go for me. So Thursday night, Christian Miles is lined up to, to join me on Thursday, and we'll be able to to bring you that as long as I get back on time. So just get how, how long have you been in Dallas? Uh, I'm going to be in Dallas for less, than, almost a, just a little over 24 hours. Actually, a little less than 24 hours. I didn't know you had a business. That's cool that you have business. Um, Papacitos, check it out. There's one in the airport. Uh, very good Mexican restaurant. There's one in the airport, but there's also like one in the for city real. Too. For real, you can actually get. It's, uh, it's very good. Yes, it's good. I have Papacitos I have somebody who has good. to take me out to dinner, so uh, I'm probably going to be uh, at the mercy of wherever they choose, and it'll probably be you know steak sizzler, dinner. Probably sizzler. Oh, I, ho- I hope it's a. I hope it's just maybe a little above sizzler, like Outback. Outback is above sizzler in my my book. Blue, just barely. Blue and onion. There blue you go. Onion. So there we go. Um, so anyway, so that's what we got on Thursday. So if for some reason I'll tr- I'll keep you sort of notified either on Discord or on Twitter and let you know whether or not I'm going to make it back in time. But as of right now, I'm planning on making it back, landing, and basically coming in and doing a show. So Maybe State Corral. Do they have State Corral in Texas? I don't know. I, I've, I've only been to Dallas like twice. Um, and so this will be my third time, which, again, I will be there for less than 24 hours. So You flying into Love Field <laughs> or the real airport? Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. I, mean, I have to fly American. Because you know, you're a, yeah, cause you're a Southwest guy. I am. Love Field. Yeah, they didn't have the times that I needed on Southwest, so we're, we're going okay. American. Um, I tried for first class too because I'm all bougie, but uh, apparently not not on this particular flight. So I just got a little extra leg room. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll be I'll be balling back there with my extra leg room. Anything's anything's more seat width than uh, than Southwest, so I'll be fine. Okay, here's the key question, and this could end our relationship if you answer incorrectly. Are you gonna wear a mask? Yeah, I just I, I was just in Colorado. Good boy. 
good I just boy. I just got okay. on a plane. All right, good, good. By the way, Kevin, up to people individually how they sort of assess that. I don't think that would not change my view of of, <laughs> of most things. So, um, you know, there are places I choose to wear masks and so I choose not to. My take on it is that when we are at a relatively lower count, I am going to take advantage of not having to wear a mask. That way, whenever the count gets higher again, I will put my mask back on and not be totally burnt out from it. You you go back and forth in the press box. Mm-hmm. And so do I. So do I. I'm outside in the press box. I'm only yeah, around two or three people in the press box. It's like, yeah, okay. You know what was funny? At the Dodger game, we had to wear the mask in the clubhouse. Right. But we didn't have to wear the mask when we went out in the dugout, which players are still around. Right. And of course, we didn't have to wear it in the, in the press box. I kept mine on the whole time. I was the only guy that did. That's okay. Because well, why not? It makes you but look better I, I, anyway. I, I, I thought, yeah, it does look on me. Yeah, as much as you can cover up. But I thought that was funny. In the in the club, the players and the team officials didn't have to, but we did. But then when we went to the dugout with the same players, I guess because it's open air, we didn't have to. No, it's basically just people drawing up rules that don't necessarily match the, the science behind it. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Who's making these rules up? Just like. You know, it is what it is. All right. Uh, I think that does it. Anything else? You good? Besides I play Jovalich for 90 minutes every game. That's my strategy. I yeah. think starting with starting with the one nine formation. The, the the good news is that you will have a lot of <laughs> a lot of backers for that. If you got if if it's Team Panda versus Team Pato right now, there are a lot more people on Team Panda because they're like just, they're like screw it, just play offense. I don't care if we lose seven to three. It'll be great. It'll be fun. I'll enjoy it. It'll be more fun. That's that's what that's your side. Anybody on my side should be scared that they uh, that they I agree. agree with them. Yes. Yeah. See, that's what I usually yes. say. I can't believe people yeah. would would ever agree with you. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, uh, head on over to at KBaxter11 uh, and then go ahead and uh, follow him there. And then LATimes.com for all of Kevin's uh, soccer writing. Sometimes he does baseball and hockey and some other stuff there as well. So follow him uh, covering the Kings, I think, uh, coming up here next yeah, week. Yeah, here, here. Go Kings. Ooh, there, there you are. go. Go Kings, go. By the way, I, I think the playoffs are happening right now as we were even doing this. It so. started tonight in Edmonton. There we go. So uh, so there's going on. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Pod. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our podcasts, all of the press conferences, all that fun stuff is right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right. For Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.